last week looking at uh, the story when Abraham, again, is just getting started um, in his ministry and his family, and uh, his things are going super, and then, for whatever reason, he begins to head south, and when he makes these decisions, it begins to affect his family. And um, we looked at, <clears throat> excuse me, last week, um, how to learn some lessons from his life. We said, number one, be careful as husbands how we direct our wife. And, and, uh, and by that, I mean that God expects us to be the spiritual leaders in our home. And, and uh, unfortunately, Abraham didn't do a good job. And um, he directed by, he was directed by a disaster and not by the divine. He let a problem dictate his life instead of God dictating his life. And, um, and there's, we're all going to go through problems. We have to be careful not to let that become our focus to where we miss our responsibilities. Um, you know, I, problems, and I, I, I've, you know, tried to get some counsel, brother, you know, brother Sean and Miss Monica and, and everything going on. And, you know, they've been facing some issues and, you know, and he had to go to one country, she had to go to India, and, and my counsel to him, first and foremost, number one was to say, get, get with your wife, whatever you have to do, that's the first thing, and uh, because, you know, I know there was, they had to flee Russia and all these visa issues, but he has a responsibility to help his wife, and, and that was, he could have went straight to Canada, but that wasn't where he should be, he should take care of his wife, and so we, we talked, again, not being directed by and he did that, and no questions, he wanted to, but, uh, but we can't be directed by a disaster. Bad things happen, but don't quit doing right. Um, and then he was not directed by the Heavenly Father, but by his own feelings, how, what he felt he should do, and feelings are a terrible leader. Uh, he was not directed by the book, he was directed by his belly, literally. He was starving, there was a famine in the land, and so he didn't do what God wanted him to do, and where God would have him to go, but where he could be happy and fed. Uh, he, did, he was not directed by righteousness, by his own reasoning. Uh, he decided uh, not what God and where a, a person, Egypt is always a picture of the world in the Bible. And he fled to the world and not to where he should go, seeking the righteousness of God. So he's, number one, be careful how we direct our wife. Number two, be careful how we distinguish our wife. Remember the first thing he told her is to tell everybody that you're my sister. And uh, let's, let's read that real quick, all right? Uh, verse number 10 in Genesis chapter 12. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, and the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. So uh, he was wrong in how he directed his wife in going to Egypt, and then we ended up last week talking about how to be careful how you distinguish your wife. Number one, your wife is not your sister. And, you know, that may sound like a really simple statement, but what I mean by that is this. You're surrounded in this room by many brothers and sisters in Christ, and we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and you should love your brothers and sisters in Christ, but men, your wife is special beyond anyone else in this room, 
and you're to treat her better than anyone else in this room. And again, I encourage you last week, I encourage you this week. I did this. I sat down with my wife and I asked her these questions. And I wanted her to answer them honestly. And uh, you say, well, you're a pastor, it's going to be easy. No, it's a pastor. There's a greater danger in a lot of these things. Because I'm just telling you facts. A lot of pastors and missionaries become married to their ministry. And it should never be that way. And uh, your spouse is first. And your spouse in this room should be someone who is special beyond anyone else. Uh, she's not just another lady in the church. Uh, you, you know, um, to treat your wife differently than any other lady. You know, I gave my wife flowers the other day. I left her a card the other day. I, I say the other day. Spaced out in time, I, uh, but uh, you know, I. Uh, but my point is this: that I want her to know she's special, right? And um, and so your wife should know that. Your wife should know that she's not your sister. Be careful how you distinguish your wife. She's not your sister, and she's not your servant. He said, "You go there and tell tell them that you're my sister." Uh, your wife is not your maid. Your wife is not your slave. Your wife is uh, um, not your servant to to do all of your bidding. Um, you treat her with respect and honor, and you ought to do your best at times to spoil her a little bit. All right? Uh, she's not your shield. He said, go tell them you're my sister, verse number 13, that it may be well with me. He was using her to protect himself. And uh, that's not why God gave us a wife. We don't use our wives to, you know, do all of our dirty work. To, to, to keep ourselves from ever being the bad guy. And, and a lot of times that happens with rearing of children, that, you know, the husband will say, hey, you talk to the kids. Or, uh, you know, they, no, it, if you're there, not to say the wife can't, but men, you do it. All right? We don't, uh, as a pastor, I can't sit around in every problem and sit there and say, all right, Stacy, go talk to them. Something bad's going on. All right, Stacy. I think they're upset. Go see what's going on. It's not our job. It's not our job, all right? And, uh, and so we don't use our wife as a shield to protect us. And these things may sound simple, but there's a lot of families that are struggling in churches because they're doing exactly what I'm talking about, all right? They use it for these wrong purposes, all right? But she's not your shield, and she's not your supplier. Uh, we ended last week saying this, that uh, Abraham became rich, because of what all Sarah did here. And um, it's not God's will for an able-bodied man to sit around at home and let the wife take care of everything. Men ought to be the leaders in that and providing for their homes, all right? Uh, but that leads us to point number three. Be careful how we delegate our wife. Look at verse number 15 in the passage. Verse number 15. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh and the woman, Sarah, was taken into Pharaoh's house. Now, when I say, if I were to get up, I probably should have done this. If I were to get up and we start afresh and I say, all right, in the Bible, who is Sarai or Sarah? Your answer would be, who is she? Abraham's wife, right? That's who she is. And that is who she is. My point is, be careful how you delegate your wife because I want you to listen to these points. Number one, she lost her place. 
She was taken, in verse number 15, into Pharaoh's house. She lost her place. Where was her place? By Abraham. She should be there by his side. She should have been there in his home, in their home, with their family, under his arm, close to his heart, in his bed. But she wasn't. She lost her place. It wasn't her fault. Abraham told her to do it. And be careful as husbands, all right? We, sh we can't allow our wife to be in an environment or tell our wives to be in an environment where she loses her place. Again, it's not wrong, you know, to... I'm not saying... Obviously, my wife's not standing right next to me, all right? Uh, you know, but I mean, generally speaking, you understand what I'm saying, all right? I expect tonight, before I go to bed, to sit on the couch next to my wife. I, I you know, my wife, uh, she took my daughter to piano lessons, and then they ran some errands, and I stayed here and I studied all afternoon. And, and, uh, and when she got back, we went and we sat together in the conference room, and she brought something to eat, and... Uh, she brought me from Miami Market a giant bologna sandwich. Don't get much better than that, right? And uh, if you haven't seen one, they're like this big. Uh, but, uh, you know, and we sat there and we had, we had, you know, dinner and we talked, all right? You know, why? She's my wife. We like spending time with each other. We like being with each other. If we are always pushing our wife away to where she cannot ever be with us and never in our home and we never see each other and she's never under your arm and she's never close to you and you're never sitting there communicating, you need to change something, husbands. Because it's not right. And he put her in a place where she lost her place. Number two, she lost her peace. Because of his choices, because of his leadership... Because of his selfishness, she lost her peace. You see, the Bible doesn't say she lost her peace. Where was she taken? Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh's house. Now, you all understand what was going on in this passage just like I do. I don't know what room they put her in, but every footstep she heard scared her to death. Every door that opened sent chills. When a voice became louder in that house and knew that they were getting closer to where she was, it was a frightening time. It was a scary time. She should have been in her home with her husband, with her family, but instead, she's constantly looking over her shoulder, constantly in fear. And a husband should provide his wife with security and shelter and serenity. Amen. We should provide in that way. And we should provide and, and that they know that there's security there and that there's shelter there and that there's safety there. We should provide that for our spouses. But because of his choices... She lost her place and she lost her peace. And thirdly, she lost her pleasure. Her joy was gone. Again, I know the Bible doesn't say that. But it's human. 
They took her. Can you imagine that last look? Who are you? I'm his sister. Oh, then you're coming with us. You're, you're being taken to Pharaoh's house. You'll become one of his. That last look had to eat at Abraham. You probably watched as they enter and the last door was shut where you couldn't see her no more. The joy that was there as they're making their trip to Canaan land. The smile across her face when Abraham says, God spoke to me today. The joy in seeing this land that God promised and it's just like he said. And now all of a sudden the joy has gone. Now all of a sudden there's no singing. Now all of a sudden the light that was in the eyes is gone and removed. Husbands, we should see it and see to it that our spouses, that, that they find joy, that they are, are able to live their life in this with this serenity and this peace and this shelter and have these things so that they can have a happy life. Not that everything's going to be happy, not that everything's going to be perfect, all right? But they live in a place where there's peace and they can enjoy the life that they're living with a joyful heart. One of the Worst things. And uh, I've been, I'll just admit, so you can pray for me, right? Been a, it, it's a struggle sometimes. I was telling my wife this, that, you know, but it's, it is what it is. And the Lord just gives grace and strength. And, but, um, you know, it just, um, especially because of doing a lot more counseling <laughs> and uh, even outside and other people and, um, Problem after problem after problem after problem after problem. It, it, it can begin to weigh on you. And, um, and the good part is, you know, you said, we'll just pretend for a second, all right, that the first four rows here are having serious issues, right? And, uh, you know, and Brother Joshua comes and he's having it. And we look at the scriptures and praise God, Joshua gets victory. Isn't that awesome, all right? Uh, but then Miss Lauren comes in, and they don't even know each other in my story. And, and there are some issues, and we, and but praise the Lord, she gets some victory. And then Abby comes in, and, and uh, there's some issues, and you hear the story. And, you, and then Daniel comes in, and everyone's getting victory, but it just... It just keeps coming. And, and, and no complaints. I'm just saying that a husband, every husband carries these burdens job and bills. Paul, Paul said it this way, the cares of the world. Once you're married, you have to take care of these things, right? I'm not putting myself on some. Every husband carries these burdens. Our wives were not made to carry all these burdens. And we should live and provide a place to where they, don't, they can enjoy their life, and, and we should be happy too. But men, don't thrust and put your spouse in a place to where they lose their joy. And one of the worst things that I see when I counsel, especially when there's a husband and a wife sitting in a room, when the wife has lost the joy in her eyes. And I don't know that I can fully explain that other than tell you it's real. The joy's gone. But you just look at them and you know that it's not right. And uh, Sarah lost that. And every husband in this room, if you've been married more than a week, you know that joy. Not that everything's great. We still have bills and we still have problems. And, but there's joy. 
And the devil doesn't want that joy. And for whatever reason, I didn't mean to go here tonight, but for whatever reason, I mentioned it Sunday, the devil's really trying to have his way in a lot of people's minds right now, trying to rob, especially ladies in our church, of this joy. So I want to encourage you men to try to protect that by, and the best thing you can do, ready? Listen. They need to talk. Now, I've already told you, men, don't worry. I'm going to talk about wives later, right? Sit down and talk. And listen. And respond. Biblically. And give them some encouragement. She lost her place. She lost her peace. She lost her pleasure. And she lost her position. I go back to my question. Who is Sarah? Not in this chapter. Now she was, and we understand that. But she lost that. Nobody in Egypt thought that was his wife. And we got to be careful as men that our wives lose their position. I love the fact that my wife is able to teach children. It's a gift she has from the Lord, and she uses it greatly. But when I look at my wife, and I hope everyone else in this room looks at my wife, the first thought, thought is not, oh, she's a teacher. No, she's my wife. That's not a possessive thing. She would look at me and say, no, that Travis Burke is my husband. And our wife shouldn't be known as a janitor, an accountant, or our ma. Our, I, they need to be the right position is our spouse. And that's not a putting down in any way, all right? Matter of fact, it's an honor, all right? And it should be treated in that way. Um, that we treat them with this respect and honor, and that's where they should be, and that's where I, the Lord wants them to be. And be careful. She also lost her person, who she is, her purpose. She lost it. And where this applies, she was taken into a home where she didn't know anything worked, and it was, had to be extremely overwhelming. Right. Be careful that we don't put our wives in places and in positions in this world that they're so stretched and they're so overwhelmed that they don't feel like this is very dangerous and again husbands you may think uh, this ain't true I just encourage you to ask your wife ask your wife this next thing have I led us in a life to where you feel so stretched out that you feel like that you can't accomplish anything right that you're unhappy you feel unwanted you feel unsuccessful because for quite a while a lady can endure that but those thoughts keep pounding on them and eventually when they feel unhappy unwanted and unsuccessful they'll want out I'm not telling you anything going on with anybody I'm just telling you what I hear sitting across the table from a whole lot of couples and that we put our wives in places to where 
they feel like they're a failure. They're not. But the devil wants us all to feel like we're failures. And if we overstress, overpush, overexpect, we put our wives in a place where she loses who she is. She don't know who she is anymore. And the devil plays with that mind. So be careful. Abraham did this. Be careful how you delegate your wife. And number four, be careful how you defend your wife. Be careful how you defend your wife. Our responsibility as husbands is to protect our wife. Our wives can probably take care of themselves. It's not a belittling statement I just made. But the fact is this, that is what God expects us to do. In Mark chapter 3 and verse number 27, the Bible talks about there's no one, no thief can ever enter a home and attack that home and destroy that home without first binding the strong man. That's what the Bible says. And if the devil, the world, and the enemy wants to get into our homes, it should first have to go through us men. Abraham didn't do that. He sought his own pleasure, his own protection, and he put his wife in danger. In this passage, she's living in distress. Look at uh, verse number 16. And he, had, and he entreated Abraham well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen, and he asses and men servants and maid servants, and she asses and camels. He got rich. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. All of a sudden, this house that she is living in, a great plague went through the house. Um, can you imagine? You know, we all been through what, whatever COVID experience we have, right? the great plague that we endured, right? I don't know what they went through, but it was worse. It was far worse. And you know the stress level that we went through. Sarah found herself now living in distress. She's in an environment where everyone and everyone is scared, chaotic, <laughs> what's going on? And she felt the blunt of that. She's living in distress. She is listening. She, he allowed her to be put into a home where now all she could listen to was defiling. The house of Pharaoh was not a God-honoring home. It was the epitome of humanism and idolatry, pleasure. People weren't going around praying before they ate. They weren't talking about God they were cursing him. She had to watch this filth and listen to this filth. Now Sarah is learning all these wrong doctrines and wrong teachings. And the crowd is not one that is pure. It is not one that is holy. Now she's having to endure all this. The, the, those that were disabled with this sickness. And I... Again, I have no idea what the plague was. It probably was something like the other plague that was sent uh, in situations just like this one. But the fact is this. She's right in the middle of it, of chaos, fear, unsettledness, anger. 
She shouldn't have to have gone through any of that disorder, chaos. Her husband put her there. And it shouldn't have been. Now, I'll turn it all around, lest we say, this is the most negative sermon I've ever heard in my life, right? Let's turn it around. Let's let the positive sink in here, all right? Men, what should we do? Let's take these same four points. Number one, direct her only in the will that God has said. In other words, let's lead our families and our wives according to this book. Not disasters, not by our own belly, not by whatever, our own feelings, but what does the word of God say? Number two, we should distinguish our wife as God has said. She's not a slave. She's not your sister. She's not your shield. She's not your supplier. She is your spouse. She is the most special person in your entire life. Amen. Amen. And treat her that way. Direct her only in the will of God. To distinguish her as your wife. Number three, delegate her to the work that God has said. Make sure that's the most important thing. In the book of Proverbs 31, and everybody has a different opinion on that, and that's fine with me, all right? Uh, you know, uh, but, you know, the, I, I could take and show you where Lydia sold purple and et cetera, et cetera, right? But I, 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 my point is only this, that a wife's number one priority should be her family and her home. I, I, I don't think it's a sin, you know, for a wife to help out when the needs are there. I, I don't believe that. I, I think, matter of fact, Proverbs 31 woman was industrious and did things, right? Uh, but, but the fact is this, her number one priority should be her home and her family. Without a doubt, without question, all right? And, uh, and we should make sure she can do that. And we provide a place that she can invest in her home and her family, just like God says she should. And then we should defend her. Listen to my statement. We should defend her as if she is weak. I didn't say she's weak. As if she is weak. Because that's what the Bible says. In 1 Peter chapter number 3, look there real quick, and we're closing. 1 Peter chapter number 3, and in verse number 7, Likewise, ye wives, 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye wives, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel. Again, the Bible's not saying one is superior than the other. Men are to lead. But it says we treat them as a weaker vessel. But notice what the rest of the verse says, being heirs together of the grace of life. We're side by side equals being heirs together of the grace of life. But part of our role is to treat them as the weaker vessel. So what does that mean? You honor them. You respect them. You love them. You spoil them. You know, their hands are full. Get up and carry it for them. Amen. Y'all ought to be amen in this stuff, right? Ladies, wave something, right? Yes, all right, yeah, right? I mean, open the door for them. See, the Bible doesn't command to open the door. My wife can open a door. I'm sure she can. She may even be able to hang a door better than you, all right? That may be. But treat her with respect. Treat her. Listen, I'm going to make a statement. And independent Baptists many times get accused, and there's some jerks out there without a doubt, but there's jerks in every place you want to look at, all right? 
But no place in society should women be treated greater and with more esteem and more respect and more honor than in a New Testament church. We should adore our wives and love the ladies that God has placed in our, in our lives and, and praise the Lord for them and honor them and respect them as heirs together in the grace of life. God wants us to minister to our wives. And I say all these things and I look at Genesis chapter number 12 and um, my wife's in the nursery tonight, probably listening, but in the first three years of our marriage, I failed. And I, and, I, and I look back, and what got my attention was on Alex's, I think it was his third birthday, and Stacy's getting pictures, and she's putting pictures all up, because when I grew up, we never had birthday parties. My first birthday party ever given to me was when I was 24. My wife gave it to me. My parents were like, birthday? Yeah, was, you're another year older, right? It was just never a big deal. Uh, but my wife, every child was a huge ordeal, right? Still is, you know. And, and now they still think it should be a big deal. They're all married. No, you're on your own. Uh, but, you know, Alex's third party, she's putting all these pictures and she's putting them out and made a little poster board. And there's Alex in a, 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 a swing and, and Alex rolling over for the first time. And Alex, first time he ate food. And Alex's first step. And Alex and is Alex, 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 all these pictures. And I'm looking at all the pictures. And something hit me. I wasn't in any of them. Because I was teaching, coaching basketball, gone every day. Which is why when I became pastor, one long sports got dropped for a long time. Because I was resetting. And I missed out on some times when my wife needed me. And um, I was treating, I, I, I preached this sermon because I know I was guilty. I wasn't shielding my wife. I wasn't was treating her like an unpaid staff member. I wasn't directing her in the way I should. And God had to get a hold of me. And um, that was 2002. And I'm thankful now. I, I put our marriage up next to anybody's I adore my wife she loves me thankful for her beyond words literally we adore each other and um, it kind of makes hope feel weird sometimes but we, we adore each other and um, she's the best friend I've ever had she's the closest person in my life and um I had to correct some things. And I literally sit down with my wife often. And about two months ago, we dropped Hope off at the house. And me and her went. 
and um, we sat outside of Gold Star in Blanchester. We got an iced tea, and we sat there in the parking lot and talked for two hours. And I went through all these things. And she spoke to me. And man, I had some good A pluses. And I had some C's, which I wanted her to tell me. And I encourage every husband to have a conversation with your wife. Because men, these are things we should be doing. Every one of them. I did not describe you a weak husband. I described you a biblical husband in the last two weeks. Who will direct his wife, make sure his wife is happy, and putting her in a position where she can be a success in the eyes of God. That's what we should be doing. And if you're afraid to have that conversation... There's something really wrong. And um, I only beg you to do it because you sit across from hurting husbands and wives who say these words, I just don't love them anymore. I just want out. They don't care for me anymore. And God forbid any married couple in this room ever has to sit and say those words. God doesn't want you to say those words. So let's take this serious. So I'm okay. And it's, I know it's our theme. And you'll hear it a lot this year. You pick out, I pull out my dress shirt on Sunday morning. There's been many times... And then most men can understand what I'm about to say. I'll look at that dress shirt and I'll say, hey, it's okay. Especially me. Because I have a jacket on. You have no idea. All I need is this to look good. Right? right? The rest. And my wife looks at that and goes, no, 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 no. I got to iron that. That has to be ironed. We husbands sometimes hear a sermon like this and we think, ah, we're okay. But it's not. Let's iron out the wrinkles to where it's where God wants it to be. Because you know what I've always found? The shirt just feels better when it's ironed. And it's also nice when it gets hot in Sunday school, I can take my jacket off without any fear, right? Because I'm not hiding anything. And a lot of us are fearful to get that close with our church and friends because if we invite people over and we spend a lot of time with them, they might see the wrinkles. So let's get them out.